into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Epic Tales from the Sewers. This is your host, Justin. Um, just before I get into this, um, it kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. This is a recap and a opinion of The Last Ronin number one. If you have not had a chance to get a hold of it or read it, or if you don't want any spoilers, go ahead and skip and come back to this one later. We're going to read through the entire book. We're going to give our opinions on it. But I just want to make sure that everyone who um, is trying to avoid the spoilers for it, that they, uh, they do so. Also, this is not a kid-friendly story. There's a lot of violence in it and uh, revenge and some dark tales. So if this is something that you might want the kids to avoid, there's not necessarily any bad language, but just other than that, you might want to rethink that. So that said, we can dive into The Last Ronin, issue number one. The Last Ronin was story by Kevin Eastman, Peter Laird, and Tom Waltz. Script by Tom Waltz and Kevin Eastman. Layouts by Kevin Eastman. Pencils by Isao and Isaac Escarosa. Page 39 art by Ben Bishop. Color assistance by Samuel Plata with over 69 different variant covers. We open up on a figure of a turtle who's dressed completely in black. He has each of the original Turtles' weapons on him. Raphael's Psy, Leonardo's sword, Donatello's bow staff, and Michelangelo's nunchucks. So we can't really tell who it is. He has a black mask. He looks old. There's many lines on his face. He has some red goggles around his neck, and he's wearing a hood. He has uh, sandals like a ninja would have on. It says, now. Forget the temperature. It's the toxicity levels that have got to be off the charts. You'd have to be crazy to swim in that sludge, we hear a voice off-screen say. The turtle says, Maybe, but no bridges and no boats don't leave me much of a choice. Cold, huh? Yeah. All the time. Stay behind if, if it bothers you that much. Hey, where do you where you go, we go. You know that. Yeah, I know. He wades into the water about waist-deep, then up to his midsection. He says, Okay, enough chit-chat and he's off. We see a giant walled version of Manhattan, as it says, Last Ronin Part 1, see you on the other side. The bridges have all been destroyed, it's an island. There's no way to get out, and very few ways to get in. We see that this is a giant gulag city that is built 
with a, um, looks like a Japanese architecture pagoda in the center. There's some searchlights going around, and all bridges have been destroyed. Next, he's coming through the water as he comes up in some debris fields up by a, up by the giant, uh, wall. As he pops his head above water, we can see his mask and his hood. He says it's cold. Tastes bad. As the water drips down, it's brown like sludge. He runs around the side of the wall. He says, definitely not fit for human survival, but that's okay. I'm not human, and I've got plenty of nasty tricks of my own. A nice close-up on the Ronin's outfit here, as he produces two throwing stars and throws them at a camera. A couple of crappy cameras, rusty barbed wire, no guards. Looks like they're way more worried about folks getting out than getting in. He takes a grapnel, a grappling hook out of his belt, and he throws it over the edge and makes his climb. He jumps over the barbed wire, and we see a futuristic cityscape, complete with... It looks like a little Easter egg of the party wagon, but also there's a bunch of cars that seem to be flying. He lands in the classic superhero pose, teeth grinted. He looks around. He says, it's time to finish this, or die trying, as he holds a sigh in his hands. He goes into an alley. He says, crap. He was expecting, he was expecting resistance, but he didn't realize there'd be so many people. He looks on at Hilti's pub, and he sees that there's a whole line of motorcycles there waiting with a whole bunch of patrons. A voice from off-screen says, What, you expecting a leisurely stroll the whole way or something? And we thought the Lower East Side was overcrowded before. Doesn't matter. The plan says stays the same. Just need to get from here to there. He points the side towards the Pagoda building. How, tough guy? Grab a cab? That's a long-ass hump, and a mutant pack to head-to-toe with weapons don't exactly blend in. He's right. We're inside the walls now. Security will be off the charts. Ronan responds. Tell me something a little more obvious. Sides, you know the drill. Adapt and overcome. He has his eye set on one of the motorcycles. We see some of the, uh, some of the punks looking on. Hey, Jones, check it out. Some fool jacked your wheels. Jones? Hmm. Are you freaking kidding me? She says. She's got black hair, and it looks like she's got, um, sort of Gene Simmons from Kiss eye makeup on that come down in like spikes from underneath her eyes as she wears a purple cap that has goggles on it and a purple motorcycle jacket. This is Jones. We don't know much about her other than that. She just says, who the hell's that stupid? We see the Ronin now on his motorcycle. Not much of a stealth move, but then again, there's something to be said for hiding in plain sight as he blasts through the area on the motorcycle. Old turtle, new tricks. He pops a wheelie base of the tower. That's a long way up, and there's guards everywhere. Should have stole a glider instead, Snake Pliskin. Reference to Escape from New York. Or a catapult, silent but deadly. Not a bad idea, except the silent part. I just need a little diversion. As he pulls the bike off, he has a stick of what appears to be dynamite in his hand. He says, countdown, three, two, one. As he jumps off and does a backflip off of the motorcycle with the dynamite in the handlebars. As he sets it towards a fuel truck. What the? Some of the men working on it see it and run. Boom! Blast off! We see the Ronin with behind him is a giant explosion that seems to be pushing him forward. I can't say if the men made it out okay. I lied. To pull this off, I am going to need some luck. As he lands on the hood of a car and then bounces off a building and does a forward roll flip until he's barely able to grab onto the ledge of a nearby building and then take off what looks like an air cover from one of the AC units. That was graceful. We hear a voice off screen say, Work, didn't it? The voice comes back, Check out those cables. We hack in, we might be able to download a map of this level. No time, says the Ronin. Really great artwork here where we see a full body shot of him. 
Plus, don't let your eyes get fooled by all these tubes and cables, because the nose knows the truth. You can take the turtle out of the sewer, but you can't take the sewer out of the turtle. What does that even mean? Says the voice off screen. No matter what's changed, as he looks on to some lights that are coming down from the ceiling that are pink after he makes his way through the just uh, whole jungle of cables. This is still our home turf. He goes up through a manhole. We hear beep, 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 beep. I don't recall a lot of manhole alarms back in the day. Zip it, he says to the voice. Halt, as a security bot comes up behind him. Crap, the Ronin says. Security lightly armored. Some kind of robocops. Intruder. Roger. Time for an old trick. In his palm, he's got three spheres that uh, make smoke as he throws them to the ground. Halt, halt, as he takes off. Central, we have an intruder in Delta Quadrant. In pursuit, says one of the robots as he scans and we can see his laser-like eyes going across the alley as the Ronin looks on from atop. Fully integrated robotic security with Katana. I gotta get a closer look at this. He jumps down upon him. He says, halt, as he smacks him. Now, this robot looks very similar to the G.I. Joe character Snake Eyes, even with the same the same um, visor, I would say. He punches him square in the face. It says, whap, and he kicks him with a fuck. And then and he sees that he's lying on the ground hurt. Robocops, robo-ninja cops, tougher than it looks. He pulls out his tonfa, which are uh, clubs similar to nightsticks. He says, let's find out as he goes at him, and he cracks him one really good, knocking the sore out of his hand. Halt! Damn broken record. He knocks off his head. You can see the start of a man, actually. His eye poking through. He says, what the hell? The voice off screen says, that is a human inside that armor. Looks like some kind of cyborg. I think more synthetic than human. A synthetic ninja? A stinking sinja? What kind of sick freak does that to someone? Ronan responds, the reason I'm here, that's who. As he stands triumphant over the dead ninja. Unit 109 has been disabled place is going to be crawling with these things soon. Scanning for suspect. He jumps up onto the roof using his grappling hook. Need to keep moving. Gotta stay on the mission. Target acquired? Affirmative. And remember the first lesson our father ever taught us. Strike hard. Fade away. Never lose focus. He attacks two of the ninjas from the top, using one swipe of his katana and decapitating both of them. Putting his uh, sword back into the, the holster behind him, he looks upon the Pagoda building. Halt! As he's seen running away again. Suspect located. Residential complex 661. Requesting air support. Proceed with caution. Now one of them shows up and he's got a gun. But this time, improvising. Looks like a hat rack was thrown through both of their heads at the same time and it takes two of them out. Halt! They're fast, says the Ronin. As one of them pulls out a laser weapon to shoot at him, packing more than swords too. Ronan escapes by going on a building in the ledge just above the window where the uh, gun-toting cyborg was. Close quarters combat's a mistake. I'll just end up painting myself into a corner. Halt! As he kicks him, and he kicks him all the way down onto uh, the top of a car that would just happen to be speeding by as it's flying. To be a true warrior, one must know when to crouch, when to leap, and when to stand firm. This time he ends up jumping and ending up on top of a train that's passing by as he jumps off. And most importantly, when to fly. As we see him do a uh, sort of a dive, a half-gainer sort of uh, Greg Luganus dive off of the off of the train. He actually lands on a police car. Need to get to the upper levels faster. As he reaches in to grab the police cyborg and actually throw him out as he says, Halt! And he hijacks the police car. He says this should help. Or not, as it flips over backwards, nearly throwing him out. It says controls are jammed. 
he crashes through a billboard. This isn't good. He ditches it and ro does a forward roll. And just as he la sticks the landing, seriously, it falls to the ground and explodes. The voices off screen say, smooth moves. Classic. You still can't even fly ten feet in a straight line. Ronan responds with, whatever. Shut up. They're right. I need to stick to what I know best. And this is more like it. As he's running across the rooftops, we see a silhouette of him jumping from building to building. Close up on the pagoda building, he says, I'm coming for you. The scene changes to the building itself. Oroko Hiroto. Am I mistaken, Captain Azuka, or is there some kind of disturbance currently taking place in the middle district? That's affirmative. We have an unidentified intruder, Master Hiroto. Most likely a rogue derelict from the bottom district. Where exactly is the rogue derelict currently? We have him surrounded in the lower business zone. Permission to sound the general alarm? Permission granted. And close up on the eyes. Looks very similar to the Shredder. He's got brown eyes, long black hair, a very long withdrawn face. He's slim and in a black ninja outfit as he looks out upon a giant window where he can see a great vantage point of the city. We see a whole bunch of crows that seem to be flying around circulating in this room that he's in. Insubordination from the lower classes cannot be tolerated. Lessons must be learned from this, Captain. Examples must be made. Master, the man says, ensure that our troops have live video feeds running at all times. I want this important operation broadcast to the entire city, top to bottom. Pursuit, capture, execution. Oroko Hiroto, so-called master of the Foot Clan. As we see now, we've gone back to the Ronin who's running on a rooftop. Karai's bastard son. The Shredder's grandson. From the day we were born, from our father trained my brothers and me to fight this war between our families. For respect. For honor. For revenge. And now, after decades of murder and death, I've had enough. I think you just ran out of miracles, bro. The voice says off-screen. We've been in tough spots before, but this is practically impossible. As we look on to the increased security detail, trying to get into the building. Same as it ever was for us. And I quit believing in miracles a long time ago, says the Ronin. But I am a ninja. Huh. And he jumps onto the bottom of a police car. And he does a duck and roll and then hides in some cover, getting into the building. Easy, there's military-grade equipment and hardcore foot soldiers everywhere, says the voice off-screen. Another voice says, Yeah, the entrance to the upper level is way on the other side of the platform. Well then, says the Ronin. I'd better get a ride. Commence transport. Rod. As the Ronin takes out one of the sentries, they won't expect a direct attack. This could buy a few extra minutes as he gets onto a, looks like a motorcycle, driving indoors to get to where he needs to. Need to get through the main tower doors before they know what hit him, as he drives head-on, taking out men, carrying boxes as he goes. Halt! Authorization required! Guard station's offline. As he crashes the, uh, he narrowly jumps off of the motorcycle as it crashes into the guard station. In the explosion, we hear him say, Should save me the time I need to. Damn. Time's up. He draws a sigh in the tonfa as he jumps in to fight off these sentries. We see him going through them quite easily, and he takes the final one out with a giant, which is a jumping kick. He throws some more of the little spheres for smoke bombs, cracks a smile, and he's off. Another large explosion. Something fast. Halt. Upgrades. Lethal force authorized. As a cyborg comes to him, it looks like they have the body of a woman, and it's on uh, rollerblades, and it has some blades on its arm. Completely white, with three red marks for where its uh, mouth would be, and two red eye holes. 
He throws some spikes at it. He catches it. Knocks it off guard. More toys, Hiroto. Machines doing all your fighting for you. Gutless. As he takes it, grabs it, and throws it. Flash over to Hiroto, who's watching this. Captain Izuga, why am I looking at the terrorist infiltrator inside the lower levels of my tower? Master, I understand your concern, but we have activated every resource available to stop him. No, I don't think you understand. Either I have his head on a pike before this day is through, or I'll have yours. Forward back to a picture of the Ronin dismantling the, the female robot with the blades on her arms. Snap! Snaps her neck. I know you're watching, Oroko Hiroto, and I know you're scared. I'm coming for you, you coward, he says into the camera. Hiroto says, while looking into a screen, A mutant turtle? I want all available foot to the tower now! Exterminate that blasted thing! Target located. Looks like a platoon of stormtroopers in the white armor head up towards him. He makes quick work of them, up close and personal. It takes them all out. He's on to level two now. Biometric security. A voice says, yeah, guess an old-school retinal scanner. He takes one of the cyborgs and puts him up to the retina scanner. Thanks again, pal. Slam gets in. Elite ninja. I must be getting close. As he sees some more of these white ninjas, these time different, with a shield on their arm and what looks like a spear on the other hand. By the order of Oroko Hiroto, master of the Foot Clan, you cannot pass. Drop your weapons and await extermination. He lunges at them with the sword. Don't think I will. He starts out by cutting off one of their legs, then the head of another. Then he dodges the blade attack for another and stabs him through the midsection. Cuts off his arm, and then with a hi-ya, cuts off the other foot. These machines are fast and strong. But for all their fancy programming, they lack sheer will. As he puts an explosive on one and kicks it out the window, we see the picture of the tower and how far he's actually gotten up, an explosion right outside. Back to Hiroto. Incompetent fools! Activate the Stockman tech! I want that monster dead! Me? He says, as he prepares his grappling hook. Sheer will is all I have left. I'm here, Hiroto. Your destiny's at hand. Face me! Blathering idiot, he says, looking into a screen. You actually believe I'd soil my own hands with your filth? I am master here, master of all. Others do my every bidding. Still, I thought I'd killed off all you pathetic mutants before. A mistake I will not make twice. We see coming through the wall looks like uh, modified Mausers. Flying Mausers with lasers? As they shoot lasers at him. Fine. Localized EMP for the little ones. As he smacks together his tonfa and it takes out the small ones. Then the large one, which has a giant cycloptic eye and Mauser mouths on its hand. He says something more conventional for the big one, as he stand, as he stabs him through the midsection with a sword. Wait, no! Our momentum too fast! As they both end up falling out the window with a No, not like this! We see them both, their silhouettes, falling from the skyscraper. Not after I came so close! Was the Ronin still fighting and trying to, to decapitate the monster as he falls? He says, falling! falling as the people above look as he falls, and there's falling glass all around them. We see him on the ground. Looks like he hit pretty hard, because there's there's fractures in the ground all around him. He spits up blood. Hiroto, come face me! Still alive somehow. Hiroto, you coward! Everything feels broken. All citizens disperse immediately, says one of the cyborg robots. By order of Master Oroko Hiroto. Yeah, the Ronin gets up. I won't let them finish me this way. I won't dishonor my family. 
As he gets up, heavily bleeding from the mouth, he holds on to his ribs. Disperse immediately. Not anymore. Disperse. Lethal force authorized. Hey, bag of bolts. Dude you're looking for is not dead. He took off that way, says Jones. All foot units. The terrorist is still alive. Redirect pursuit towards Central Park. You guys hang here and make sure they don't backtrack. I'm gonna check it out. Holy hell, this guy's bleeding out big time, says Jones as he follows a, a trail of blood that leads to an open manhole. And says, and down he went. Back to the tower with Hiroto. His petty desire for revenge crushed along with his abominable body. A foregone conclusion, of course. The foolish beast actually believed he could destroy me and settle some archaic family feud. Me? Fah, horrible imbecile, never had a chance. Which does beg the obvious question. If vengeance was the why of the creature's clumsy assault, then what was the how? No matter. You not need to worry. As always, I have all under control. Nothing will ever threaten my ironclad rule over this city, this empire I have forged. And you will always be here to share in my glory and to finish the witness, and to witness as I finish all that you could not. He looks upon a uh, woman who is in a cryogenic chamber. Dearest mother, must be cry. One of his underlings comes up. Master Hiroto. Ah, Captain Ishkuza. But why so empty-handed? Nothing left to the carcass to deliver? No, Master. The terrorist remains loose. The face of Hiroto, Hiroto is here, as we can see it, and he does not look pleased. Back to the Ronin in the sewers. Could have gone down fighting, let those things finish me off. But that'd just be avoiding the inevitable. <laughs> Bleeding heavily as he walks through the sewer. Knew this was a suicide mission from the start. <coughs> he coughs up some blood. Flood. We see him hit the ground. Need to end this on my own terms. For my family. Honor. A voice off, off screen says, Dude, you don't gotta do that. Quiet. No more talking. We see the Ronin as he disrobes, as he takes off all but his mask. So he takes off the black, the black uniform. He holds Donatello's bow staff. He, sold, he holds the katana that was broken on the robot from Leonardo. He holds Michelangelo's nunchucks. <coughs> Coughs up blood again. Holds Raphael's side. <coughs> Coughs up blood again. He lays the weapons out before him. We were always so different. As we see laid down, he's on his knees. Laid down before him, the side, the nunchuck, the bow staff, and the broken katana blade. So much alike. As he opens up a zipper pouch that has four different colored bandanas that he lays across the weapons. One blue, one purple, one red, one orange. I miss my brother so much and... I miss my father. A journal with Japanese writing on it. He lays that down as well. More than anything else, I wanted to make them proud. An old turtle we can see, and it looks like he has lots of spots on him that have been there. Picks up the remnants of Leonardo's sword. Tests it to make sure that it's sharp. In the end, too little too late, story of my life. We see him kneeling down, about to commit harikari, ritual suicide for those who have lost honor in the Japanese culture. I'm sorry, Father, I failed. Please forgive me. Too much blood. Never lose focus. As we see him coughing up blood, Jones comes up behind him and interrupts him. What the? No, uh, not yet. As he keels over from exhaustion and probably blood loss. Not like this. Uh, holy crap, it's a, it's a, no, no, wait, you're, you're a mutant turtle, says Jones. We see on the next page, it looks like a heart rate monitor. 
You guys don't wake him up soon. I'm eating the last bagel, says a smiling turtle face. The other two stand behind him. Hey, Sleeping Beauty, wake up. We got things to do. Oh, man, one of the turtles says as he's sitting in the bed. Who smashed a cement truck into my skull? More like a fleet of cement trucks. The other turtle says, Yeah, we've seen prettier things pulled out of the East River in spring. The other one in, in the doorway, he says, Whatever, where are we anyways? Duh, says one of them in the doorway. Welcome home. Home, says the turtle in the bed. What do you mean? Hold up. Is this the old sewer layer? We see the turtle in the bed who's convalescing where the other three brothers are talking to him. And it does appear that they're back into the old sewer layer. What do you expect? In the Ritz or something, Twinkle Toes? And who said you could use my favorite blanket? How the hell did we... He's just so confused as he's all bandaged up. Thank God you're up. Oh my God. He looks over. April? Is that really you? Yes, it's me. We see April's face as she comes in. She looks like she has aged quite a bit. And now we've gone back to the Ronin sitting in the bed, bandaged up, where it looks like he's been fixed up and brought here by someone to be with April. And April says, And I'm so relieved to see you awake. You really had me worried, mister. But who were you just talking to, Michelangelo? And that's the end of issue one, The Last Ronin. Alright folks, back on Epic Tales from the Sewers, this is Justin, and I am here with Andy, and we're going to give our reactions on The Last Ronin, Issue 1. So, Andy... Cowabunga, dudes! Be warned! Spoilers ahead! <laughs> well, at, at this point, they've already listened to it, so it's it's okay. I don't think there's much we can give away, because uh, we, we did the entire issue, so not, not a worry. But, um, Andy, so, you know going through this, like re-listening to the episode that we had did with um, our special guest, Scott, um, it seems like you, you nailed kind of a lot of this. Yeah. I, I, uh, I kind of freaked myself out a little bit uh, that there was even a rumor that I had had uh, someone on the inside, but I assure you, I don't, I'm not that cool. 
Yeah, I heard. I heard that you had <laughs> you had started that rumor, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so so on this, it, it starts out, and it the the thing that gets me is that that uh, solicitation that we had with the art, like they they pretty much recreated the entire thing, like from from page zero to page to page uh, one again. So that that was kind of interesting. The art is definitely different than it was before. It has this. Um, Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns, mixed with like the um, like the Urban Legend Turtles. It looks a little bit like that too. Um, what's your What's your thought on the art? I I think it definitely looks cleaner than the preview that I had. Um, I'd have to I'd have to dig it out of the plastic there and look at them side by side again because I first got them. I did. I took pictures of both of them side by. Actually, I had there somewhere. Um, I took pictures of them side by side to kind of get a look and see what changed and i think it changed for the better it's like the the delay was worth the wait um which is a rarity as I much think. of a cow of bummer yeah i mean it's it's a rarity too where it, it's like something actually lives up to the hype nowadays but it's like i can say in terms of like anticipated comics of the year this is the highest one and i mean the numbers reflect that and the fact that comic book stores sold out and they could even keep it on the shelves and all that everybody was waiting for this book and it it absolutely delivered you know the the larger format the um, 48 pages or 46 page however many it is uh, as, as opposed to just having like a regular 22 uh, page issue book man it's just it's such a satisfying like it's like biting into a sandwich that has bacon on it you know <laughs> <It's>, yeah it, <laughs> it was it was all the joys of a trade paperback at a, you know, it, it was cheaper than what a trade paperback is, but it was slightly more than a regular comic, but there was no ads. That's the one thing I love, excuse me, that's the one thing I loved about it was that there was no, you know, little commercial breaks in your comic book there, especially for as big as it was. They could have really, like, threw some ads in there, but, like, I mean, it was just pure turtle greatness yeah like they're they're really trying to push like uh transformers or their other properties like they have mask they have gi joe they have uh, my little pony but in this case it was like all business so it was uh I, I i didn't even consider that until you said it so i think that's a good one that's pretty cool um let me see here i'm trying to figure out what the page number is it looks like it is page six middle panel uh, he's jumping over the wall, and you can spyball what it's clearly supposed to be a, a party wagon of some sort. It's at least the color scheme of a party wagon. Yeah, I think you nailed that, that that is um, the the party wagon there. Because, uh, like, just looking at it, it's like, it, it's it's pretty evident that that's what that is supposed to be. Now, going, that, going through this book, and, um, like, just seeing it, did you have any inkling that, what they were doing was trying to give you like um like some misinformation about who the turtle would be based on the on all the the dialogue coming from off screen yeah at first when you first read through it you really think that they they totally pulled a raft herring on you like yeah. i read the turtle in kind of like a dirty hairy voice just like gravelly and even as i read i i i knew who the turtle was uh but i kept going back and going I keep reading this like Raph. I keep reading this like Raph. I'm like, maybe, maybe it is. 
maybe it is Raph. And I was like, no, no, it's, it's definitely not. And then it's like the more and more I read into it and the more and more I thought back on my theory, I'm going to stick by it. I'm going to stick by, and it's going to be my prediction till the end until I'm told I'm wrong, that he's cracked. He's, it's, it's Mikey's body, but they're all sharing it in some capacity. He's either channeling these spirits of his brothers, or he's developed some sort of split personality disorder where he's, you know, trained like each one of the brothers would train. And, you know, he's, he's clearly proficient with all the weapons. Yeah. And I don't know if that's always been the case. They're just preferential to one. Or if he literally, like, after after they fell, uh, he's been training for the last 10 years. Because that's the, that's the timeline we're looking at, right? It's Well, if you look at it, too, like, the, the, in, in the beginning of, of the book, he favors the Psy. Like, he is, like, absolutely favoring the Psy. And then, as the story goes on, he picks up the Tonfa, and he's he's uh, using the Tonfa. He makes, like, the EMP somehow with, with that um, to to take them out he's cutting off heads uh, with the, the the swords the katana after that you know it, he doesn't seem to use the bow staff as much until later on i think when he fights the giant robot he uses it but you know it's like they're trying to bait you you know just be oh well that, if that's his favorite weapon maybe yeah. he's this and with like the voices that are coming off oh. screen like i clearly heard donatello off screen i clearly heard it i'm like okay not Donnie going through. And then it's like, that could be Leo. Oh, be careful. It's dangerous or something like, Oh, uh, thanks mom. You know, like whatever he's saying, yeah. you know, and, and then the, yeah. the third voice, it's like, is this Raph or is this Mikey? So it's, it's one of those things where it was like, Oh man, I, I'm not sure, but Raph's Raph's snarky at times. He's, you know, he's got that, he's got that snarky attitude. But it's like it's always like a rude joke or like an insult humor. Like Mikey was always, you know, like upbeat humor. But it's like Raph was funny too at times, but it was more so like you know in an insulting. And see, we talked. We know, talked the, about the, the Big Brother, the um, the IDW series, and how like Mikey had like a a bit of a darker uh, sense of humor and stuff too. So it's it's um, yeah. you know, it's it's kind of more consistent with that. And and the fact that this has been shelved for you know like like thirty something years and all that, it's like wow, they kind of nailed where he is right now. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it 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 got it definitely it definitely got dark. But now you're saying about their weapons, and it's like I'm gonna reread this after we're done here, um, and probably come up with a new theory. But just just I'm gonna spitball something here. So he comes in as Raph, and he's got or he comes in with the size, and he's got a Raph attitude about things. Like I'm going in here for revenge. I'm angry. Then you know when he starts doing some of the acrobatic and goofy stuff. He's got the Mikey weapon. Mm-hmm. Then when it's time to get down to business and actually like fight, he's using the Leo weapon. Yeah. And when tech, when a tech solution is required, he's using a Donnie weapon. So that just gives merit to the. Is he channeling the brothers through their weapons? Like, is he like connecting to them? Because you know they've astral projected before in in comics and the movies and everything. And I'm wondering if there's not some spiritual connection between these weapons and the situation that he's in, and that's why he. And it's not really it's not really like a tactical decision of, oh, I'm using this weapon because it's more efficient now. It's like I need to be in this frame of mind at this moment, so I'm using this weapon. Yeah, I I can't confirm or deny that at this point because it's like what you're saying, it could be true. You know, it's just it's just one of those things where it's like where we we just don't have enough information. But 
Oh yeah, no. With with issue number one, you know, it was like it, we went into it with a lot of you know just just from the art, but it's like I think that they knew they knew exactly what they were doing, and I think that the, I think that the thirty year wait shelviness, I think it's doing a lot better now than it would have then. I think it would have been good then, but now it's like you've got the nostalgia of like oh these are our turtles these are, these are the you know the, the gen one turtles this is the original set of brothers um, and it's you know it's yeah and there's there's I've often said that there's a there's a turtle for every generation and I'm even going to give the rise of the PMNT another shot but I think that that is for kids now. I, I'm but all for Ronin, anything that gets people into turtles. So whether it's that or whether it's the next mutation or coming out of your shells, any of that stuff, like I, I'm fine with it. The Bay movies, yeah, which you know, that, that, you know. That, it's got jokes for the adults, you know. But yeah, it's like, uh, but no, Ronan is definitely, definitely your uh, <laughs> your dad's or even your granddad's turtle. Yeah, I, I, I feel that's like weird to think about. Like where the demographic they were going for anyway. They're like, let's go for that older adult audience that, you know, they're not teenage mutant ninja turtles anymore. They're just, you know, mutant ninja turtles at this point. So, you know, I, I think that they were going in that direction. Um I, I think honestly, my opinion of the book is the art was phenomenal. Um they did a really good job with colors because the colors have to go between like a grim and, and gritty futuristic landscape to you know like this uh city and you know um like the the bad guy uh you know uh Oroko Hiroshi or you know like all of that stuff like it kind of transitions very well and it goes from like these these like grim tones to like these bright vibrants to like this grim tone again but it's like different it's like everything looks cold I think that the colors play a really good part in the story and um the art is really good. The pacing of the book was excellent. You know, so it takes you on the story and it literally feels like a journey. So I, I really enjoyed this issue. I, th- I think it was masterfully done. Yeah. It, it, uh, it got me when I was, when I was waiting for it to come out and I was trying to figure out who the show was, it, it started to get a little anxiety and I'm not even gonna lie. It got a little hard to breathe there for a minute. Like I was like, I, I've got to know. It's like, this is, this is tearing me up something terrible. I should not be this worried about a fictional character. <laughs> and then when he's laying out the weapons and, you know, he's like getting ready to, you know, perform his last rites on himself. And it's like, wow, man. It, it's like, it, it caught you right in the throat. It, it was like, man, I was like, you really felt for this turtle. Like you went on this journey with him and it's like, he was fully prepared to, you know, do it he was you know gonna gonna you know in this one way or another as he put it on his turn and, and you look um, at it he's got the weapons so so what you're talking about is a scene where he has the weapons he's got the staff the nunchuck the sigh and uh the half of leo's sword left laid out in front of him he opens up a little pouch and lays out all the uh bandanas of his brothers including his own and we don't know who he is at this point you know and um and we have a, a journal from his from Splinter, and it just says, "I miss my father." Then the next thing we see is he he hunches over, still bleeding from the mouth, and he picks up this shard of a sword. He makes sure it's sharp, and he's about to kill himself. It's crazy, you know. It's like what an yeah. intense scene. And, and I know, like the first thing you and I talked about is like, "Oh my god, you know, what's your favorite scene?" Oh, obviously this one. So 
Yeah. And then and then it looks like he either has a heart attack or or just keels over from blood loss or something. It's just like crazy. It's like what the hell happens? And then he's he's rescued by what we can only imagine is the descendant of Casey Jones. Yeah, it's just Jones. And I know a lot of people and I, I don't know at what I don't know at what point the light switch clicked on, but you know, some at some point I became some kind of turtle guru or something. People are messaging me now and are like, Hey, like you know, what do you think about Jones? And, you know, I, I'm like, well, you know, clearly she knows April because she's the one that found him. And then, you know, the next thing, you know, he wakes up and, you know, hey, surprise, uh, here's April O'Neil uh, alive. And uh, So well, what, do you, what do you think? Daughter, granddaughter, Casey and April have a kid and it's this one because it's 30 years. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people want it to be Casey and April's kid or their grandchild somehow related but it's remember it's like in one of those shows casey had a sister he had a sister um did he i don't so could very well i don't remember that yeah i don't know uh was it the 2012 series i think she was involved with the foot she was she was in danger of joining the foot um oh the little kid okay yeah, yeah that was the 2003 yeah, series I, yep Okay, yeah, I was I wasn't sure. Um, but like I said, you know, it's like I don't know if that's canon, but I think a lot of people want it to be, you know, April and his kid, um, or, or like I said, even granddaughter. She looks really young to be the kid for as weathered as April's looking. But then again, you know, what did she look like? Well, April's in pretty good shape. Ago? So, and I mean, you think about it too. If April started out in her twenties and now it's thirty years later, that puts her in her in her fifties to sixties. So all of this is within yeah. the realm of possibility. So, you know, depending on how old she was at that point, and this is, you know, 30 years later, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And, and plus this, yeah, or, this one could be 20, she could be 30, you never know. I, I think yeah. I think it all kind of fits. Um, I just think it's cool. Like, they, they have some really cool designs. It's almost like a cyberpunk sort of thing, and she's like a biker, and she looks like, um, like the crow a little bit with the, um, kind of eye makeup that's coming down and like the, the kind of wispy black yeah. spiky hair. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And, um, I, I know we had talked about this. Do you have a favorite variant cover? Like out of the ones that you've seen? Um, cause I know they're, yeah. they're still coming. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I can actually check here on the back. I can check here in the back. Um, you know, I'm really liking this Collector's Cave art by uh, Raymond Gay. The one where it's got the three brothers behind him. It's got Casey's mask on. Is it the bow staff or is that Leo? So I'm trying to zoom in here. Okay, it looks like that's on the sword. It looks like Splinter's coat is on the bow staff and Splinter's body's on the ground. It's like that really like breaking my heart. It's beautiful, but it's breaking my heart to look at. I wouldn't want to like. I wouldn't want to like own that forever. Um, then we've got the one with the four spirit turtles. I know a lot of people like that one. That's that's the one that on I was able to get. If um, I don't see it on this page, but I have the other one, um, which I, I think is is uh, probably my favorite. The one that I got, it's the spirit turtles, and it doesn't even seem to show up here on this one, but it's um, like the ones where they're ghosts in the sky instead of the ones who are like putting their hands on them. That's such a cool cover. You know, and the, yeah. I was so excited that I got it. Um, and, and I mean, there's, there's other ones that 
um, on here, if you see the one where he's holding the blade and it's his face with the um, the skull, I have um, I have two of those coming, hopefully soon. Those are just amazing. And that that artist, uh, Miko Suriname. Which there's three of them. There's the color, the correct. Okay, there's three. There's uh, I have I have two of them. The one that's in color, the one that's in all black and white, and the one that has black and white with a red mask. I like this one down here that looks like a Mad Magazine cover. This is this is probably my favorite. If I could get it, I'd just get the one I want. Oh, do you, you um, so you comics like the... and ponies art by Justin and Kevin? Yeah, the the Justin Roiland uh, Rick and Morty uh, creator. Yeah. It's interesting. It's some interesting stuff. Yeah, the, the, the one that's in color. Yeah, and I don't think there's a stinker yeah, among the that's bunch. The like, there's there's some it's like I'd, I'd like to have and some that, you know, I'm not going to really pursue. But I'm a big fan of these Ben Bishop covers, too. I, I think that he nails this character in a way that some of the other some of the other people, it's like they look like, OK, I'm drawing a character. And it's like the Ben Bishop ones. I'm like, I feel like he gets this character and he owns it so I, i'm a big fan of of those um like especially okay. the one with the motorcycle so if if folks get to to see this uh i found uh, there some really cool alternate covers here and um i i highly suggest uh trying to see what you can pick up um who who knows what's going to happen with these but there's there's 69 different covers so obviously they can't put them all in here but there's you're talking about the uh the Tom Wiz, Toy Wiz, sorry, Toy Wiz art by Ben. Yeah. Because there's two other motorcycle covers. Oh, by the way, I found the uh, cover. Yeah, okay, I found one. My, Here's... Mine's Johnny DiGiardinus. Uh, that's the one I was talking about with the turtle ghosts behind him. That's that's my favorite. That's the one I was able to pick up. Gotcha. And the one, actually, I didn't even realize this. Here's the one. Your big time collectibles one is your current wallpaper. So that's the the Ronin art that you have for your wallpaper on your phone right now. That is uh, one of these retailer exclusive covers. How about that? Gotcha. Yeah, I found one that I don't like. It's not that it's bad, and it's not that it, it doesn't look bad. It just doesn't fit the aesthetic. It's the Jetpack Comics uh, by Rich Woodall. It, it's 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 a little anime. It's a little bright, just considering all the other covers and the tone of the comic. It it, it looks more fit for a Jenica comic than a than a last one. Oh, I get you. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's not it's not bad. It's not bad drawn by any means. It's just it's way too bright. Like if I had to, if something's got to come in last, that would probably be. Holy smokes! Yeah, what's this one? Sorry, people. Didn't mean to scare. One Stop Shop by Justin Mason. That's Wow, it's got like the um, paper paper wall doors. Okay, there's one in yellow, and it looks like Kill Bill yellow, and then this one's got it like all torn up and dystopian looking in the background. I like that. Yeah, no, the, the, there's some cool stuff here. So I, I know I know we've kind of jumped ahead a bit, but um, that last panel, right? Um, the panel before has this amazing art by Ben Bishop, and it's uh, a flashback. Shoot. It's got. Um, you know, the turtles and they're young and, you know, one of the turtles is in a bed convalescing and we don't know who it is yet and all that. And, you know, he's just like, Oh, what's going on? Uh, home. Oh my God. I thought you guys were dead. What's going on? You know? And then we hit the last page and 
you know, what's, what's your reaction when you read this and you see April O'Neil's there and, you know, she, she looks like, uh, you know, she's seen, she's seen a lot. She's definitely looking old at this point. And then she drops that bomb and she goes, who are you just talking to? Michelangelo. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, she always looks good. I imagine. But, but so. uh, even now it gives me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps. It gives me literal chills. And it just like, I think, I think I did. I think I teared up a little bit because it was like, I, I just knew no matter which way this ended, my heart was going to break either for him or because of him. And it's like, it, my heart literally breaks for him. I, I think that they did the right thing. By it hits so hard. And it's like Michelangelo, it's just, it makes the most narrative sense. And the fact that, you know, in an interview, Kevin had said that it was always Michelangelo, you know, since he was the first turtle, he would have he was going to be the last, you know, and it just, it makes sense organically. Wow. It just, it, it did though. It did to see him like just evolve and become, you know, become the last one. That's like, I think, I think Mikey's gone. I really do think Mikey's gone. And I think that what we're looking at now is the last room. And, you know, she called him Mikey. And I, I'm curious to see if the next issue, if he responds to it. I'm oh, really so you curious to like, see if he's like, like you, you might know, say, Mikey, like, you, know, you have I to call me that name. Ronan or... he, he might be like, you know, Mikey's, Mikey died, you know, 10 years ago, along with, you know, the other bros. You know, it's like, then who are you? You know, the, I'm the last Ronin. That's like, oh, oh, he said it, oh, but yeah, it's like, you know, he's like, his last Ronin, just the, the title is the last Ronin, his name now, you know, is, what does he view himself as? That was my, that was my next thing I wanted to see. And um, speculations about things to come, it looks like from the title of the second comic coming is the first of fall. So we're going to get a flashback. So yeah, I, yeah, I think I think the next one's called First of All, and I think over the next couple of comics, we're going to see how things unfolded. I'd like it to start right at you know what we're seeing on the cover there, like you know, open scene. Here's Raph surrounded by the Foot Clan, you know, and it's like it looks like he's going to be okay, but you know, the next panel shows you know what what's what's going on because I mean he had just he was just peppered with uh, shurikens on the on the teaser art. Yeah, but I mean, but he's tough. Yeah, you they, know, he can, they've got he can they've got it, tougher right? skin. He's gonna be okay. They got tougher skin. They got the shells. So it's it's one of those things where we've seen him come back from that before. But I think I think it's interesting. So, but let's go into uh, so final final revelations about the uh, the book here. And um, I I know we're gonna do something else for predictions for the second, so we don't necessarily have to go into that too much. But um, for just general thought of the book, the tone, the art, all that good stuff, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna give this, uh, you know, an A, a plus, uh, you know, a ten out of ten rating. Any anything that I can, I can on this, it's interesting. It brings me back into the fold. If I wasn't a comic reader for Turtles and I got back into it, this would absolutely draw me back in. It's it's just so well crafted, and um, it's it's one of those things where I'm just like, yes, give me more of this. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to hold back the last slice. Like, I'm, it's it's not quite a full pie for me because that would imply perfection with no room for improvement. You know, it's not quite the supreme pizza. Um, it, it just, it, it's, it's, 
damn close. I mean, it is. It checked all the boxes. Um, it, it, the only the only bad thing I can say about it is it's got me wanting more in the best way possible. But uh, due to them trying to give you the best quality product, the, the, the date keeps getting pushed back. And it's like I'm not taking points off because of the plays. That I understand that that happens. But it's like it's just I I, I want to save I want to save that cherry on top for just you know like I said I don't want I don't want this to be the top of the mountain. I don't want to go. Nothing will ever compare to Last Ronin, but I mean, it's like, it's definitely the best, the best I've seen so far. I'll put it at the, you know, I'll put it at the top of the list. Like you all said, I'll I'll put Ronin up against anything else you got so far. But I think Kevin's got, you know, uh, one one good more up his sleeve, you know, as, as well as the rest of the, the IDW and everybody. I think they've got one more great uh, turtle end all beat all. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, and and I hear what you're saying. I, um, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's perfect. I just think that it's like, in terms of like checking those boxes, that's why I give it that score. Oh, yeah, yeah, would, yeah, um, yeah. No, no, definitely. I would put it up against nine point nine. I would put it up against like the other book of the year that I was thinking of would be uh, like the Three Jokers, the first issue, because it's like it's so engaging and it has like all these other aspects to it, and it really kind of reminded me of that because it's it left you with more questions. You know, just uh, you're like, oh, I have so many questions, and it's like I have so many more questions. So I, I think it's, yeah. I think it's amazing, and uh, now I'm looking forward to. I know some one. people, I know some people, and this really, this really irks me. Um, some people are not happy that it's Mikey. Some people are like, you know, forget this book. I can't believe they picked Mikey. And it's like, dude, like, you know, Mikey's my favorite turtle. Don't get me wrong, I'm super fanboy, like happy that it's Mikey. But I also backed up my support of Mikey as a candidate for the Ronin with reasons other than he's my favorite turtle, and that's why I want to see him. I would have been totally fine had it been Wrath. I would have been totally fine had it been Donnie. I'm not going to lie. I would have been just ever so slightly disappointed if it was Wrath or Leo. I would have liked to see, in this order, Mikey, Donnie, Wrath, Leo. But it's just because... Like I said, it just Leo was too predictable when Rath's been done before. That's the only reason I would not have been like, I'm not buying the rest. Um, but it is it it just it, it sucked me in. It sucked me right in. And I, I just you know I don't know if they'll ever hear this or not, but thank everyone that worked on. It. Oh, absolutely. The the amount of care and love and effort that they put into this, and it wasn't a shameless cash grab. And it's like they're even printing more comics, not because oh it did so well, uh, you know we're just gonna we're just gonna print more money. It's like no, it's like they're understanding that the prices on the secondary market are outrageous. And I think it's even a thank you edition, or there was rumor of a thank you edition coming out. I, I saw some. I had seen something on one of the, the official websites to the effect of like you know we want to thank you for supporting us. And, you know, to show our appreciation, we're going to do a second running. And I think it's something about, like, he was either as a thank you or this is going to be a thank you edition. Or there's wave two and then there's going to be a thank you edition. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. So with that, I think that uh, pretty much concludes our thoughts on the first issue. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the episode. And uh, stay tuned for our next uh, installment when we'll do our predictions. Thanks, Andy. Thank you, Justin. All right, dudes. And now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious 
Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. bummer, dudes. If you've read The Last Ronin, then you know that I'm the only one left. And if you're listening to this, well, it means that I probably didn't make it. But don't worry, I went ahead and dug two graves before I set out on my path of revenge. There's not going to be any witty puns, funny jokes, or comedy of any kind this week. I am on a path of revenge, and I'm serious. Dead serious. Now, I've got to go avenge my brothers and Master Splinter. Wish me luck. I'm going to get even or die trying. Cowabunga, dudes! It's pizza time. Hi, this is Adam, a.k.a. Casey Jones from Casey Jones Livewire, and you're listening to Epic Tales from the Sewers. Time for a knuckle sandwich, punk. And now in a segment we like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's Pizza Time. All right, dudes, listen up. It's time for the pizza recipe of the week. I'm going to make this quick because we don't have any time to spare and none to waste. The pizza recipe for the week is Ronan's leftover revenge. That's right, cold pizza. So grab the last slice out of the box because you know revenge is a dish best served cold. Now let's go get even. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers podcast network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper, with featuring Andy Doyle. <laughs> In a world where you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain, a nation of nerds unites to bring you something truly epic. Amalgamation is proud to present the Epic Airways Podcast Network, featuring great shows such as Amalgacast, Epic Tales Podcast, The Not So Super Dudes, Anime a la carte, Epic Tales of the Sewer, Amalgophiles, and the fantastic podcast hi everyone this is justin from the fantastic podcast it's a show all about fan experiences from the things that we love so whether it's your favorite musician your favorite actor maybe it could be about your favorite sports team or maybe just uh, someone that you spent time with watching something that you loved when you were a kid these are the kind of stories that we talk about we uh, usually do a couple stories and uh, it's a shorter podcast so you can listen to it on lunch at work so please check us out at the fantastic podcast you can find us where most podcasts are found you can also find us on sh- uh, social media thanks a lot and check out the fantastic podcast Ahoy adventurers, and welcome to the dungeon. I will be your captain, Ace Diceman. Join me and my first mate, Mr. Cooper, as we set sail on an amazing quest full of fun facts, funny jokes, and some high sea shenanigans. So climb aboard the Siren Song and let us spin you an epic tale. Look for the Epic Tales podcast on Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and iTunes.